listening to the Real Resistance Podcast, brought to you by the First Amendment, protected by the Second. My guest is New Hampshire State Representative Leah Cushman, representing Hillsborough District 2 in the town of Ware. Leah is also a registered nurse and is the primary sponsor of HB 1022, a bill permitting pharmacists to dispense the drug ivermectin by means of a standing order. Leah, thanks for making time to talk about the legislation. Thanks for having me. Okay, so obviously there was a committee hearing last week on the bill. Granite Rock shared some of the testimony of Dr. Merrick, and we have links to the full hearings as well as your testimony. And I would love to hear your thoughts on on why you believe the bill is necessary. I think the number one question people have that we should probably get to right out of the gate is that this bill permits pharmacists to dispense ivermectin by means of a standing order. What is a standing order? Who can issue one? What does it mean for granite staters interested in ivermectin? So a standing order is essentially a prescription. It's written by a doctor. Um, in this case, the bill allows for a doctor or advanced practice registered nurse or nurse practitioner. Um, and so they write it just like a prescription. And it sometimes it'll have, you know, like a protocol on it, you know, dosage protocol for body weight or um, based on lab values. And it's written and given to the pharmacy. And then anyone who goes to the pharmacy and wants that medication can just go and ask the pharmacist. And the pharmacist will um, ask them a few questions about their medical history, do a screening for any contraindications. And then if it's um, not contraindicated, they will dispense the medication. So any doctor can write a standing order and then anybody else who wants ivermectin can go to that pharmacist and after following this procedure you've outlined, obtain the medication. Correct. All right. Well, that sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and we do this now for oral contraceptives and Narcan. Mm -hmm. Um, They're dispensed at pharmacies via standing order. And I actually modeled the bill off of the 2018 bill that became law to make oral contraceptives available over the counter. Cool. It's essentially the same bill. Oh, excellent. All right. So again, I have my own thoughts and I suspect they align with yours, but why did you propose HB 1022? Why do we need this? As a registered nurse, you know, I I just want to make sure New Hampshire residents have options for treatment of COVID. Ivermectin is extremely safe, has one of the best drug safety profiles of any drug on the market. It's been approved for human human use for over 30 years around the world it's 3.4 billion doses have been given and it's showing some promising effects in reducing the severity of COVID-19 especially in early stages of the disease so I just want to make access easier for people because we're seeing a lot of doctors are reluctant or outright cannot per their employer prescribe ivermectin for patients seeking it for treatment of COVID so that leads into my next question. Who among the various players is, is giving you the most pushback? Doctors, hospitals, pharmacists, who, who's weighing in against this? And on the other side, who's weighing in for it? It's the usual um, suspects in this kind of debate. Right now, we're facing pushback from uh, Dartmouth-Hitchcock, the New Hampshire Medical Society. There's a society for hospital systems, pharmacies, they're pushing back on it, the New Hampshire Nursing Association. And it's striking because a lot of these groups supported the oral contraceptive bill in 2018. And I think it's a highlights the 
political climate that we're in where, you know, medication is being politicized, they would go and advocate for drugs like oral contraceptives, which can cause blood clots and behavior issues, mental illness and, you know, a lot of other issues. And it's not as safe as ivermectin. They went and supported that bill, but they're opposing this bill. And then those who are in favor, you know, overwhelmingly are just everyday people. And then we also had some doctors write in. We've gotten a ton of emails, those of us on the House Health, Human Services, and Elderly Affairs Committee, tons of emails in support. And the emails from doctors that were against it all came as like a reroute from someone at the New Hampshire Medical Society. <laughs> These doctors were kind of like recruited to write those emails. So in your experience, what do you think is the underlying motivation for that resistance? It's hard to put my finger on exactly what it is. I think the situation has been very politicized. You know, we have, you know, Dr. Fauci and NIH and NIAID opposing these off-label prescription medications being used for early treatment. And there's instead a huge push to sell the vaccines and these new emergency use authorized drugs like remdesivir and Paxlovid. So I think at the top that there's money, there's some corporate involvement going on. And I think it's just trickling down through the culture of these regulatory agencies and these professional medical groups, associations. So I think, I think the most of it is, is they've just been told over and over again, you know, this doesn't work. And then they're told that, you know, these new drugs do work. So there's just not a lot of it's uh, professional peer pressure from the check writers, I guess, maybe. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I did watch uh, I didn't watch all the hearings two hours. So and, you know, going in, I I talked to some folks and they thought that the vote out of committee was might have been close. So after the hearing, what's your sense about the committee's opinion on this bill? Well, several of the members of the committee voted in favor of the oral contraceptive bill in 2018. So I'm hoping that, and those are the Democrat counterparts who are on the committee. I'm hoping that maybe some of them will come along on this side, but I know that others are in favor, Democrats, and I I believe that all the Republicans are in favor. And we're actually um, having a meeting tomorrow night a bipartisan meeting to amend the bill and just address a couple of the concerns, just clarify how adverse effects will be tracked and what information will be provided to patients. And I'm hoping that we can get an OTP recommendation on a bipartisan basis. That would be great. If the committee does ITL the bill, are you prepared for a floor fight to flip that sucker? (laughs) Oh, of course. I mean, <laughs> I'm never going to lay down and, you know, roll over and just say, oh, that's it. Yeah, of course, we'd have a floor fight. Um, I guess that's why you've got so many bills that you've sponsored that, that are along the same veins. And are there any of those other bills that you're particularly interested in talking about in the next minute or two, like people know they're coming up that might need some support? Yeah. Um, right now, you can't have a hospital, nursing home, ambulatory surgery center, clinic. You can't have those licensed in the state of New Hampshire unless you, first of all, are at least 15 miles from a critical access hospital. If you accept all payers, which includes Medicare and Medicaid, and if you serve all people, including those who can't pay 
So it's very difficult to set up an alternative healthcare system when you have regulations in place that makes that impossible, right? Right now we're seeing that medical practice is dictated by the federal government through CMS, and even employee policies are dictated through that. Um, so it's this, these tentacles are in every aspect of healthcare, and they create a lot of challenges. Not only is there a lot of administrative overhead, the cost being around 35% just to process insurance claims, but, you know, businesses can't conduct themselves the way they would like. So in the interest of freeing that up, so the bill is HB 1347, relative to licensing requirements for healthcare facilities that operate on a membership-based business model. So it's sort of similar to a bill by Mark McLean that came through this week. It was actually heard yesterday. It allows hospitals and other medical facilities to be exempt from those requirements that are a barrier to entry. So they can have, they can accept direct payment as long as they do it to members and then they don't have to accept Medicare and Medicaid and other insurances. They don't need to serve just anyone as long as their emergency from, you know, the signs pointing to it say clearly on there, members only. Really the, the most important part is that they don't have to take Medicare and Medicaid. So, you know, just free them from that and allow them to, you know, conduct their business. And by direct payment, it could be cash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can right. take cash. They could take crypto. Who knows? Mm-hmm. What, you know. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, as long as it is membership based. Can you imagine um, the Democrats they, losing their minds? What do you mean you can pay for health care with crypto? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Good enough. My guest is State Representative Leah Cushman representing Hillsborough District 2, Ware, New Hampshire. The bill is HB 1022 and HB 1347. All right. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, best of luck. And just keep thank doing you. what you're doing. All right. Thanks so much. Thank Steve. you. Have a good Bye. one. You too. Bye.